This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We talked a lot about Najee Harris on our previous episode of today's recordings of Steelers Standard Podcast, so make sure you check that out if you want that Najee talk at Steelers.com. That's where all our podcasts live. But on this episode, we're going to look at the offensive linemen. We're going to look at my favorite pick in the draft. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be the best because I think Najee Harris is going to be the best player in this class. But He's still your favorite. My favorite wow. is Kendrick Green, the center out of Illinois. This guy's nasty. I mean, this guy plays football like he's in a back alley. He calls himself nasty. He call, That's it? what I mean. He's yeah. self-aware about how nasty he is, too. And kind of a theme you've seen from Steelers picks this year, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball as well. A lot of the buzzwords that coaching, the coaching staff has used in their Zooms after making the picks or follow-up interviews after the draft, they're nasty. They got mm-hmm. a mean streak. They hit. They're mean players. Steelers are trying to get that in their DNA again, yep. I think. They're trying to get that nasty player that, you know, we're going to come off the ball as an offensive line and we're going to blow you back. We're going to run the ball hard. We're going to be tough to play against. And I think that they've kind of gotten an identity on the offensive side of the ball, especially on that line, especially last year. It's more of a passive mm-hmm. kind of offensive line where they're good at pass protection, but, you know, no one's really fearing them as far as the running game is concerned. Like, you don't have guys like Miles Garrett on their heels ever because they're not ever expecting to get blown off the ball. Right. So then you got a guy like Miles Garrett who's always weight forward, always rushing the passer, and although you're good at pass protection, he's going to get there every once in a while if he's just a one-track mm-hmm. brain towards that quarterback. So I think that mean streak, and again, like I said, they said the same stuff about Buddy Johnson, and they said the same stuff about Isaiah Loudermilk, their top two defensive picks. They got mean, nasty streaks about them it's definitely time to get back to that. And I definitely hope that Kendrick green can kind of infuse that identity into this offensive line because, you know, again, they need to run block. Well, Mm -hmm. if they want to be successful with Najee Harris and you have to be mean to run block. I mean, it really just comes down to being meaner than the guy across from you because both of you are physical freaks. I mean, their defensive linemen are going to be over six foot four <laughs> and over 250 pounds, and you're an offensive lineman. You're a physical freak as well. So it just comes down to who wants it more and mm-hmm. who's going to be the nastier kind of player. And Kendrick Green, like Jacob said, has said himself that's the big thing he brings to this game. He it owns it. That mean, nasty streak. And when he's in between the trenches, he absolutely hates the guy that's yeah. lining up across from him. Good. You uh, yeah, you do need that. And I think that's well said about all of the Steelers draft picks this year is that they're trying to refine their identity. And I think that's something that when you look at the last, I don't know, five or six years, maybe, maybe not that long, last three or four for sure. Um, what was the Steelers identity? You know, they, they, they kind of have had an, an identity crisis. And I think last year was a good example of that. You know, you have big Ben, you're 11 and zero, and then all of a sudden, Oh crap. We're, you know, we lose the last four or the f- four or five, then you lose in the playoffs. What was your identity? I think this draft, um, maybe better than any team in the uh, NFL this year. Um, you look at them in, in, in the Steelers, I think, and you say, okay, this was an identity type of draft, like bringing in Najee Harris, bringing in Kendrick Green, um, you know, even Fryermuth, I think, to an extent, um, you know, the defensive guys, Buddy Johnson and, and uh, Roche even. I mean, these this is an identity type draft. Like the Steelers are getting back to that mean, that nasty type of that brand, I suppose, of football. 
Um, and it's something that we haven't seen here in a long time. And, and I know that it's probably a little bit unconventional, too, because of the fact that the, the NFL now is so finesse and it's so pass happy. You know what I mean? It's not exactly the most conventional way of doing things. Um, but I think the Steelers, you know, when you draft Najee Harris and then you get Kendrick Green in, in um, the third round, that tells you, like, this is going to be our identity moving forward. Um, and I think it's great uh, because, again, I think the Steelers are going to be going to kind of get back to that ground and pound type style of offense. And I think that's going to be welcomed here, um, you know, because of the fact that no one really does that anymore. You know, and again, I just think they're trying to get meaner. They're trying to get nastier. And I think all of the picks define that. I, I couldn't agree more. And I love how you called it an identity draft, Kellen. I think that's exactly where it was. It was an identifying clarif- identity clarifying draft. This is a team that has a standard, has a has a reputation for itself over the past 50-some years since the 1970 dynasty years. And that is nastiness. That is salt of the earth. And I think some of these guys, especially guys like Kendrick Green, represent that fully. I view Kendrick Green as the starting center. And I know that he has to go into camp and he's got to earn that job. He's not going to be number one as far as you know, day one of training camp and they're doing 11 on 11s or they might not do that day one of training camp. <laughs> but whenever they set up the offense for when you walk through anything at camp, I don't see Kendrick Green sliding in as the number one guy right away. But no. I can't imagine B.J. Finney has that starting job longer than the second preseason game, to be honest. Or Hassanauer, for that matter. Or Hassanauer, whoever is going to be yeah. the, the placeholder at the number one spot at center. But you know, I think Kendrick Green comes in, and I think it doesn't take him long to work his way up there in training camp. And I think that's exactly what the Steelers wanted when they picked mm-hmm. him. Is this is a guy that we see as our starting center in 2021, and if he can't dethrone B.J. Finney or J.C. Hassenhauer by the time Game One rolls around of the season, that could be a problem. It could be a problem. Not to panic just yet, because again, he's a rookie and he's only a third round pick, but. I think it's certainly in their plans that Finney, Hassenhauer are the backups, swing guys. Kendrick mm-hmm. Green is the starting center come day or week one in the NFL season. Right. I mean, how can't you operate like that, right? I mean, you use a third-round pick on a guy in, in a position that you, you need some help at. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I've said all along that I don't want B.J. Finney to be the starter moving forward in week one in the NFL. I don't want that, but at the same time, it's an insurance policy um, so again, I mean, bringing him in, it creates competition, which is always a good thing. It, you know, the cream kind of rises to the top when you look at, uh, you know, competition, you bring in a guy like Kendrick Green to, you know, push Finney and to push even Hassenhauer too. Um, I think the idea obviously is that he is going to be the, the starter moving forward. I think that's, that's obviously the intention when you draft him with a third round pick. Um, but to me, honestly, when you look at this draft, I, I really believe that, um, Kendrick Green, he might not be the best player in the draft, as you've mentioned, Tom, but I think he's the key to the draft, if that makes sense. I think he's the key player to the draft because if you look you know, three years down the road, four years down the road, if Kendrick Green doesn't pan out, you know, does what does that say about the offensive line? What does that say about Najee Harris's Steeler career so far? You know, if he I'm not saying that if if um if Kendrick Green is bad, all of a sudden that means Najee Harris is going to be bad. But at the same time, it could, you know, feed into the ideas that we talked about um, with with the um, you know, the running backs and how that uh, the run the uh, you, you go lineman first, right? You you go more of a um, 
a concern, not conservative, but you go more running back and you worry about other positions. You let the running backs go. That all of a sudden could be real if Kendrick Green is, you know, if he's not, if he doesn't pan out, all of a sudden this draft could go from right now being really good to in the future. Man, what did the Steelers do there? Why did they wait so long to get a center? Because the center they drafted wasn't any good. That's why I think Kendrick Green is the key to this whole thing. Yeah, I agree, Kellen, because, you know, the whole time right after the the season ended in, in January, back after that playoff loss against Cleveland, was the initial reaction was, okay, we got to get, we got to help this O line. We got to, we got to make this the unit of concern of the number one priority. And, yeah, getting a guy like Najee Harris, obviously, as people got closer to the draft, everyone was saying, well, if Najee Harris is going to be there, you can't skip on a guy like Najee Harris. And once you got him, it was, okay, how much help can you give that unit moving forward to, to help out not just the unit as a whole, but to help out Najee? And, it, you know, because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a give and take relationship, the running back and the offensive line. You can, it, it can't just be one guy that does all the work. I mean, yes, I allude to Ben Roethlisberger in 2008 saying he was laughing now offensive line, but at least there were one or two pieces that could work, right? I mean, and that's not saying that there are no pieces that don't work right right now. I mean, David DeCastro is going to be there. I mean, we hope. If DeCastro bounces back and Dotson doesn't have a sophomore slump and Green can do what we think he can, that's, that's a great— That's more than Not enough. a great. I'm getting way ahead of myself. It's, it's more a good than interior enough. offensive yeah. line, though, and it's got the potential to be great. I know DeCastro's got a short shelf life, but the two of those three are going to be here for 10-plus years if they stay healthy. Right. It's, 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 it's more than enough to help the offense as a whole and to especially help Najee Harris. And a great— there I go again with that word great. I just want to be so optimistic. A good interior offensive line will help Chooks and Banner on the outside. Sure. It'll just help give them, you know, a little bit of, you know, stability as far as their position is concerned. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that Big Al, who we'll get to in a little bit here, was held up somewhat by Dave DeCastro throughout their career. Right. I mean, Dave DeCastro definitely did some heavy lifting as far <laughs> as that side of the line was concerned. Not to say that Big Al didn't have good seasons with the Steelers because he did. But he definitely had help by the all-pro that was lining okay. up to his right side. So I think that if you can get DeCastro back in shape and you can have Dotson not hit a sophomore slump, I mean, those are two great anchors for Kendrick Green to have on the left and the right side of him. And I think it gives him a ton of confidence. And, you know, I think you got the veteran on one side mm -hmm. and you got the young guy on the other side. You get both perspectives kind of. I think it's a perfect terrarium if you will for him to oh. grow his potential in the nfl between those two staples on the line right i mean staples the cash was a staple dotson for sure potentially yeah be a staple. i think dotson could trending be. in the direction yeah, right. of a staple and, and i mean i think you bring up a great point there when you look at both sides of the coin like you have the young guy who you're probably going to be with for the next you know x amount of years could be dotson and green for right a long, beside long time. each other for the a long time this, yeah very line. well could be and, and then on the the flip side of it you know you mentioned de castro who's probably at the back end of his career or is at the back end of his career, you know, Teach you how to be a pro, right? I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for here. I think that's something that um, the Steelers probably had in mind here. Like, Hey, if we go, you know, we go with, with green, you know, we can pair him with, with Dotson for the next X amount of years. And Oh, by the way, you got a pretty good guy beside him too. And DeCastro, you know, you know that, yeah, last year wasn't DeCastro's best year, but if he bounces back or if he's, you know, 75% of the player that we've seen before, all of a sudden, that line looks a hell of a lot better. Like we've said with DeCastro, too, you can't, of course, he's getting to that point where you could say it's his age and he's starting to hit the wall. Yeah. 
But it's not as cut and dry as that when you look at the circumstances surrounding last year and how sure. vocal he was about them. He really was not about the getting tested every week. And, you know, it's <laughs> right. a completely different NFL season. He's been in the league for over 10 years and he's never gone through something like this. This was everybody was a rookie last year, pretty much, as far as the operations yeah. of the leagues were concerned. And I think it hit DeCastro hard. No more hit him harder, though, than running out of the tunnel at Heinz Field and seeing nothing but yellow seats around him and visiting stadiums as well, not seeing those raucous, uh, angry Baltimore Raven crowds booing <laughs> him and booing the team. You get so much energy and juice off of that, whether it's the home no crowd doubt. cheering you or the road crowd booing you. And, I, you know, he even mentioned how, you know, they bring fans back in for a little bit. So you kind of get some sense of normalcy and then they snatch him back away yeah. from you because things got a little bit out of control again with the pandemic. Now you got the vaccine, though. The NFL is pushing hard for all players and coaches and, and staff members to get vaccinated. The The protocols and the penalties that surround players or coaches or staff members that aren't vaccinated are so severe. It's not like they're forcing the vaccine into them, but they're basically saying if you want to have any kind of a 2021 season, you got to get vaccinated. So think that there will be a ton of vaccination throughout the league by the time training camp opens up. I think that we will have, at the very least, I think 50% capacity at stadiums, probably 75%, maybe even 100% by the time yeah. the NFL season starts. We could get, like, by the postseason. 100% probably. Yeah. I think at the start, though, I think 75% capacity isn't far-fetched in the slightest bit. I mean, we all know Pittsburgh's, Pennsylvania's opening yeah. up at the end of May. That's, so. a, that's a big difference from, what, it was 5% last year? That's exactly what I mean. So DeCastro's now looking at, instead of 2,500 people in a 60,000-plus stadium, yeah. more like 45,000 people in a 60,000-plus stadium, which is going to be just as raucous. It's going to be just as loud. It's going to feel like football again. So, yeah, Dave DeCastro getting up there in age. You want to keep an eye on him. Maybe he has hit that wall where he starts his downtrend. But also, I'm looking at him this year and thinking that maybe last year was just an outlier. Maybe he still has a couple more years left in the tank at a high level. Maybe he just was a little depressed. Yeah, I mean that's fair. And I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, I know you made that point, but um, if if DeCastro isn't what we you know have have grown accustomed to seeing from him this year, okay, maybe it's time to to hit the panic button a little bit and say, ah, he's at the end here. And I think that's that's realistic. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that that's a possibility. But at the same time, we've seen DeCastro for 10 years, and he's been a really good pro for 10 years. And like you said, hopefully this year is just just a, a one-year thing, and it, maybe it's due to the, the whole you know craziness of last year. Um, but again, if he slows down this year, you know, you, maybe guard is a lot more important upcoming, and maybe you need to address that need a lot sooner than you thought. Important to remember also, DeCastro was hurt throughout last season. Yeah, he was. Right. Back problems, just couldn't stay healthy, missed uh, the first game of the season, uh, and then came back and then was out and back again. And, you know, he even said, you know, there's a point where he was at the facility rehabbing, getting his COVID test, trying to get <laughs> back to healthy, and he was like, what is the point here? Like, why am I rehabbing so hard to come back and just play in this kind of a shell of a season? So uh, when you don't have the right mindset as yeah, far as the rehab is concerned, that injury could linger throughout the entire year. So that could have been a contributing factor to his poor season as well. It's just a nagging injury that just never got right. Right. And, and, and then if you look at DeCastro last year, I mean, we've talked, we talked about it a lot on, you know, Steelers Saturday and our episodes that we did there, like, 
he was 100% hurt. Like, something was right. going something on. something you could tell. You could tell that he wasn't right. And on top of that, Tom, like you said, if you're not mentally there either. You can't um, rehab it. Right, like, you can't. It's not going to work It's out. not going to work. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are some people that hear that and, like, oh, that's selfish. And maybe it well, is I'm to not, an extent. I don't think he was purposely no, not no, rehab. No. I, like, I just I think his mindset from the circumstances, just it just happened naturally. Like, right. he just couldn't take it seriously. No, I understand. I mean, you look at anybody. Because I'm not saying DeCastro's a guy who would blow off for like the no, Castro no, is, no, is no, a no, consummate no. professional athlete, right. a borderline Hall of Famer, maybe. But the point that I'm making here is, is if you look at anybody, I mean, you, me, Jacob, like throughout the pandemic, there were a lot of people that had that sort of mindset. Oh my you God. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's, uh, the, our Big job time. here, you know, I right. just, in this middle of the summer working on Madden show and there's no sports happening. Why am I why are we doing this? Booking guests? Right. Like, exactly. What is the point of talking sports? Right. Like, everybody had that moment. Can't imagine what it was like for a professional athlete. Yeah, I mean, they're so regimented. They're so, you know what I mean? On schedule, it's tough, man. For 10 straight years, he was used to one thing, and now all of a sudden, they're like the entire dynamic of the season change. You have to come to the facility, and you have to get your COVID test. And he's like, well, I usually come to the facility and get pancakes and bacon in the morning. (laughs) What the hell's going on here now? It's just a complete shock to the system for everybody. Absolutely. And again, don't think that that didn't contribute. Don't think that that didn't have something to do with it, because you sitting at home had the same thing, you know? One guy on that offensive line who departed this year was Big Al Villanueva. He's been floating around in free agency for a while, but not anymore. No. Finds himself a home in the AFC North, not with the Cleveland Browns, not with the Cincinnati Bengals, but with those Baltimore on Ravens down on the Beltway in I've Maryland. Down. I've never Baltimore heard that. Yeah, You've never heard Baltimore No, never. Wow. That's odd. Baltimore Ons is popular. I like it though. I thought you were a little bit. You should be more cultured, Jacob. Okay. But he goes, he's a Baltimore on now. Uh, has some pretty interesting comments yesterday or a <laughs> day ago, whenever it was, about how he's excited to be in Baltimore because he gets to play the Steelers twice. Whatever, that's fine. I'm not going to get upset about this. Gamesmanship, you know, you take a little jab at the team that didn't choose to sign you after yeah, all. I mean, there's going to be some hard feelings there. I'm sure Big Al. Once his once he hangs up his spikes, we'll look back at the Steelers and realize that was the best part of my career. I made a couple Pro Bowls there. I was on teams that were successful. <laughs> I went to an AFC Championship game with them. I'm sure he'll look very fondly on it, and I'm sure he still does. But you, know, you take a little rib at your new team, your new rival almost. So right. I understand that. Sure. And I'm not one of these guys that is a Steeler fan that sees Big Al sign with the Ravens and go, oh, you traitor. You traitor. You went behind enemy lines and went with the bad guy. It's like, dude, the Steelers weren't going to sign him. What's he supposed to say no to the Ravens' million-dollar I don't want to work this year. I don't want to work for $8 million a year because you're a Baltimore Raven. No, it's stupid to think like that. Good for him to get the contract. But the most interesting thing that he said was he <laughs> likes to play for a team that is a run-first offense as an offensive lineman, which the Ravens are. Teams that and have the Steelers those, were not teams that have those wide receivers. You know they like to be flashy, catch the ball, do the TikToks. And he didn't say Steelers. He didn't say Juju Claypool specifically. But read between the lines. You're talking about wide receivers. You only played for one team for the past five, six years. We know who you're all talking about, Big Al. Right. Little shot at Juju there, and you know, uh, again, I don't know if it crosses the line as much as Steeler fans are making it out to be. But it is interesting to hear some of that kind of trash talk coming from, you know, a fringe offensive lineman who has seen the best part of his career go by the wayside, and now he is definitely on the downward trend. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that's 100% a shot at, at Juju 100%. and Claypool. I mean, it's just an interesting person to be throwing those shots out. 
I hear, I mean, I hear you. I, I understand that. that I get way the shots of thinking. at the Steelers saying, "Oh, I can't wait to play him twice." I love being on a run first team. All of that's gravy, but you know, just interesting that you take the shot. Maybe it's a little telling on how some of those guys view that's exactly and yep. in the locker room. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. So many people, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. What Juju and what Clay? I mean, the Claypool thing kind of came on late, and I don't really view Claypool as in that same mold but the juju thing the dancing on logos and stuff like everybody wanted to say oh it's not that big of a deal well what does the first guy that has left the Steelers since um all that stuff happened right. one of the first things out of his mouth is he mentions tiktok it was a problem right there's 100 i mean that tells you that you know did he say juju no i mean i think i think al was smarter than just you know call juju out or to to call by someone name, out by yeah, name yeah, uh, he's smarter than sure. that but at the same time if you don't think that that had something to do with Juju and Claypool. I think you're kidding yourself. And if you still don't think that it's that big of a deal, that's a guy that just left. And one of the first things he says in his new home is he mentions TikToks and wide receivers. That tells you that, hey, maybe, maybe some people in the locker room still don't like that. Yeah. I mean, the three of us here still don't like it. I mean, the fact that we're a week out of the draft and we just had a great draft class. At least the three of us believe so. And we still here are talking about Juju and Claypool. It's a problem. It's a problem. What's not a problem is Big Al Villanueva lining up against TJ Watt. Yeah, give me that year. all day. Tom, you were, you were ready for that. We were talking about it over break. And you oh, were it's, just it's laughable. Ready for it's TJ to It's honestly laughable. It, this might have been the best signing in the Steelers offseason is Big Could Al to the Baltimore Ravens because – Look, we as Steeler fans know Big Al was starting to become a bit of a turnstile towards the end of his tenure here in Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a reason why the Steelers are going with Chooks and Banner, two unproven tackles, instead right. of trying to extend Big Al for at least a guy one who was more an all pro at one point. Yeah, like they don't even want to try to bring him back for one more season. It's kind of like a bridge with Ben to just try to keep as many offensive linemen and keep Ben's starting left tackle for the past yeah. couple years. Talk about keeping Ben happy. That's what I mean. So clearly, Ben was cool with Big Al being uh, put on the move as well. I mean. You saw Big Ben come out and vocally say he would love to see Juju come back. Well, you mm -hmm. didn't see him say anything about Big Al as far right. as that's concerned. You've heard Ben countless times talk about Pouncey and how there was rumors that he would retire when Pouncey retired. And, you know, I'm sure Ben even called Pouncey a couple times after his retirement. And hey, said, you hey, sure? You sure about that? Like, yeah. you sure you don't want to come back one more ride with the old number seven? But nothing with Big Al because, you know, Ben is a smart player and he realizes when a guy is past his prime and – I don't think that he trusts Big Al at that left tackle anymore. I think he's willing to give it a try with one of the new guys, Chooks, or maybe Dan Moore, the, the yeah, rookie out of Texas A&M, if he can jump that high up a depth chart. I don't know if that's going to happen with a fourth-round pick, but then again, Kevin Dotson did last year. Right, sure. Probably should have started if <laughs> you know we got our way, at least what we thought was the case with the Steelers' offensive line. Their best unit was with Dotson on the field all last year. Um, so it's just interesting to me that you know, there was just no real need as far as the Steelers were concerned to bring Big Al back or even entertain that idea. Now you see him land with your arch rival, the Baltimore Ravens, who, of course, he's going to be a run block most of the time because that's the way the offense goes. But, mm -hmm. man, any time that Lamar drops back to pass, I cannot see him having more than two seconds as long as T.J. Watts on the field yeah. lined up next to Big Al. It's just it's a nightmare for Big Al. And, oh, by the way, you know, you, you think of in camp or whatever, Al is probably blocking TJ. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that didn't go all that well for, for Al Villanueva a lot of the times. I mean, then again, 
who would it go well for? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it even is a benefit if Highsmith lines up against him because it's, you think so? That's someone that I would it's love for Highsmith it's, to go up against. It's I mean, someone that he's gone up against before in practice last year, maybe, but also just that I don't think he's a very good tackle anymore. Not so like either. as far as Highsmith being a first year starter, it might be a good one on one matchup for him to exploit. Yeah, while TJ is getting double teamed on the other side. No, I hear you there, and, and I thought it was funny too. Um, Al mentioning the the run blocking thing. Well, that's funny that you want to get back to being a run blocker, but at the at the same time you're not much of a blocker. Period. Any, you know what I mean? Like I I don't mean to you know uh, pile on Big Al here, right. but at the same time, like one of the reasons the Steelers let you go is probably because they felt like you couldn't run block anymore. Yet you're excited to be on a team that that does nothing but run block. You know that's that's just interesting to me. But again, I mean it, it's a good situation I think for the Steelers because of the fact. Hey, you get to go up against Big Al twice, um, and it's probably going to be TJ most of the time, too. I will take that matchup every day and twice on Sunday. And that's the team that, if it's not the Browns, it's the it's the Ravens, who's probably the favorite to win the, yeah. to win the AFC, AFC North. North. It's 1-2 as far as that's concerned. So, you know, any little matchup that you can exploit if you're the Steelers is massive, and that's one that wasn't there recently that has just presented itself and. You know, it's funny, you see a lot of Ravens fans on Twitter and social media pretty excited about the signing because they needed a tackle. Uh, they just traded one of their best tackles to the Kansas City Chiefs, so they got a first-round pick out of that, though. And, you know, they need replacement there. They need help on the tackle spot, and they think they got it. But then Steelers fans just sitting in the mentions kind of just smiling. I've seen mm -hmm. that, that Tomlin meme of him just with that really crooked smile because we all know, like— right. Yeah, you know, on getting. paper, this is a good signing because you got the two-time Pro Bowler and you know a guy that is it, name recognition as far as the rest of the NFL is concerned. But deep down, he's way past his prime. Yeah. And honestly, you overpaid for him. And I don't think you're going to be very happy with the results next year. I, because guys, it's not just T.J. Watt. I mean, this is another year of going up against Miles Garrett twice, mm -hmm. and that's something that we saw firsthand last year in Pittsburgh. Didn't go well. Not very easy for Big Al to go up against Miles Garrett. And no. If it's not Miles Garrett, then it's Jadavion Clowney. So there is pass rushers on pass rushers in this division. I mean, Garrett and Watt are two of the top five pass rushers in the entire league. So. I mean, Big Al did himself no favor staying in the AFC North, that's for sure. No, I mean, it makes, you know, you made the point about the Ravens, and, like, it does make sense for the Ravens, you know? I mean, do I agree with what they paid him? No, but it does make sense to bring in, you know, a guy that is familiar with the division, although Big Al's not helping himself. It does make sense for them to make the move, but as you said, you know, Steeler fans kind of know deep down, like, hey, this guy's, you know, probably at the end of his career. Is you know, What did he sign? Was it a one-year, two-year? It's a two-year deal. Two-year. I mean, at the end of the two-year deal, he's probably going to be done. Yeah, and I would even go as far right. as saying he's kind of scrubby now. Yeah, he's not that good anymore. I mean, he gets to that point where you can see him and be like, eh, that guy's kind of a scrub. Like, fringe starter at best. Would not be surprised if there's a rookie on the Ravens roster that might beat him he out. He may actually. challenge him, yeah. Or challenge him, because he is going to be a turnstile at that left tackle position for them. And, again, I hate to harp on the guy. Glad that he had a good tenure in Pittsburgh. Had his best years goals. here, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course. And, you know, always love a guy who's played – four or five years with the organization started done well and it stinks to see a, a guy move on but you're not upset about it in this case because like i said he's over his hill and i think that that's pretty clear for everybody absolutely one guy who's not over his hill but is making a ton of noise trying to get out of town is aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that saga is never ending seems to escalate day by day so 
In the next episode of Steelers Standard, we'll dive into the Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay, talk about our thoughts there, maybe look around the rest of the NFL as well. Aaron Rodgers, come to Pittsburgh. Not going to happen. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers <laughs> Standard. That will not be on the next episode, is entertaining Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh talk. Uh, we'll talk about all things Rodgers, though, other than that. Uh, for Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gersky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you download and subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify, and we will talk to you on our next episode.